What, you're saying that you didn't smoke a ton of weed before this one? I did not smoke a ton of beer nor drink a lot of weed before this episode. Come on, come on. Everybody to yep, it's weed. The podcast where we tell you that yes, this album is about weed. Confirmed, it's weed. Identifying weed. Yep, it's weed. <laughs> Actually, it's Tuning Fork. I'm David. I'm Matt. This is a show about Pitchfork and the the. Uh, <laughs> that's what the show is about. This song. You're, you're... This, this song is about Pitchfork music. This show is about music and the Pitchfork media hype machine. There we go. Um, yeah. I, I figured it out. It's been a little bit. Um, yeah, this this time we're talking about kind of a weed one. Kind of a weed one. We didn't get any... Uh, this is another guestless one, you may have noticed, by the lack of other person talking. Yeah. Uh, we're, just, we're just doing this as one as a twofer. So, Waves, King of the Beach. It's the third album released by Waves. Yeah, Waves, the bedroom noise rock project turned landlord fuel of Nathan Williams. <laughs> And yes, we'll try to make jokes wherever possible about that, just to just to really get them out there. Yeah, it, I was tweet, I was tweeting about this earlier today, but it really is kind of the the ultimate example of the power of Pitchfork around this time. That he only had to get two best new musics to go from having no money to having landlord money. Yeah, and it's also just kind of it it, it kind of dovetails with. Um, review writer Ian Cohen's post on Twitter the other day about how, like, some other indie rock bands of the era that, you know, didn't keep getting critical acclaim um, are, like, you know, not really in great places financially. Yeah, and, like, even ones that did, like, real estate are still kind of struggling. Yeah, which, like, yeah, the one one that he really put as the clincher is something that I I would very much love to cover on this podcast one day, being the, the pains of pure being pure at heart. Just because yeah. they're just such a, like a, they're like a band that could only exist in the Pitchfork Media blog era. Yeah, I remember that album coming out and going, huh, this wouldn't have gotten any attention otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I did, I did like the album. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's perfectly serviceable Dream Pop stuff, but it's just like the fact that two members quit the band and then went to join BuzzFeed um, really just, uh, that, that's, uh, that's 2010's indie writing in a nutshell, huh? Yeah, they stopped being a buzz band and they went to BuzzFeed. They kept the buzz going, much as Nathan Williams does on this album, where several of the songs are, and I hate to admit it to prove the genius men right, about drugs. <laughs> yep, they sure are. Um, I mean, I'm gonna yeah. try my best to make alternative interpretations for every single one of them. Um, but it'll be mostly on the fly and improvised, so it will be funny and uncomfortable for everyone to listen to, much like real improv. Much like real waves, funny and <laughs> uncomfortable like to listen waves. to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I had my headphones on listening to this one. I didn't want to put Stephanie through it. Yeah, um, yeah. So waves started in 2008. Their first album was self-titled. Didn't get a Pitchfork review. Uh, second album jumped right in with the BNM. Got uh, an 8.1. 
uh, which is a pretty low BNM. Sometimes bands get as high as like 8.2 and don't get one. I think the record for like a non-reissue was like 8.6 without getting it. Yeah, yeah. Something I, I, like that. I don't remember I, which one that was, but that sounds right. I I could probably find that it was something I, I got mad about, I'm sure. And then, of course, uh, in the early years of Best New Music, you could have things as low as a high 7 get it. Although it, it definitely, by the time we were watching the site a lot more, it was always things that are at least 8. Yeah. The, like, the lowest I could remember in the period of time where I was, like, looking at the blog a lot was uh, Most Deaf's album from 2009, <coughs> uh, whose title I do not remember, but it was an 8.0. I, I know it's Pitchfork score better than I know its name. Was that when he was going by Yassine Bey? He is, at the current time, going by that, but he wasn't then. Okay. Which yeah, that yes. was a couple I should, years later. I should refer to him as Yassine Bey. That is, like, the name that he is using. Yeah. Um, yeah, Waves with Three Vs had... Uh, definitely still that self-recorded quality. The production was bad, but that was kind of the part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was uh, it was the style at the time. Mm-hmm. He had he definitely had a good ear for melody that you can hear underneath like the eighteen layers of production that he threw on top of it. Um, yeah. But the primary way that hooks worked was through repetition, which is definitely a device that he repeats on this album. Yeah, it was very surf rock. Plenty of woos. He, he puts a lot of wheelies, yahs, and doot-doos. <laughs> Instead of legit lyrics. Yeah. Um, and uh, at this time, he and uh, Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast were together. Mm-hmm, because uh, on the cover of this album and on the cover of uh, her album from the same year is the same cat, is it not? Yeah, Snacks the Cat. It's Snacks the Cat. We're talking snacks today. Yeah, I mean, we're talking snacks. Snacks was uh, one of the first uh, kind of internet celebrity cats of uh, that time that I remember. Maybe like Sockington came before um, by a couple years, but that that's that's kind of it. I'm looking at pictures of Snap of uh, Snacks the cat on on Google image search right now. It's a real fucking good cat, dude. Yeah, he's just yeah. I guess oh, did Snacks die? I guess he did. I yeah, that's not too surprising. I mean, this this would have been ten or ten or twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, all all social media accounts for snacks. The cat just kind of stopped posting in late twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's and a uh, and and Nathan Williams wrote the last song on the Best Coast debut album, mm-hmm. uh, "When I'm With You." Yeah, I know it's a pretty good one too. Honestly, yeah, I, I like I like that album. We should uh, we should cover that one as well. Yeah, um, and if if, if if in the t- period of time before us covering it, you could always just go listen to the Fun Point episode from a couple weeks ago, where they oh, covered yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, they did, uh, they did Best Coast recently. I haven't they listened also, to that They one also yet. regrettably did a Front Bottoms album, but you know. <laughs> Au revoir! Yeah, yeah, that's, that is the first song in the album they covered. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess we should get into this one now. Yeah, so King of the Beach, uh, kind of his first professionally produced album... He made it with uh, the late uh, Jay Retard's backing band. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, two 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 specific members of uh, of his backing band. Those being uh, Billy Hayes, who did drums and backing vocals, and also wrote two of the songs on the album. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Stevie Pope, bass guitar, backing vocals, who is actually still in the band, unlike Billy Hayes, who was just one in a series of drummers that this band has had. <laughs> Yeah, they burned through five drummers in three years. Yeah, pretty. It's pretty rough there. It, it's yeah. a really, 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 really shitty looking chart to look at. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a 
it, it's like three lines and then just stares down yeah. from there. We'll talk about one of those drummers in particular, I guess at the end of the episode, probably. Or I guess we, because we're talking about like the lead up to this album coming out. Yeah, go ahead. We'd be, re- we'd be remiss to mention that like this album was almost basically a feature length collaboration with Zach Hill. Yeah. Who I guess we have yet to cover on the pod so far. But that's only because like the only hella thing that's been reviewed positively by Pitchfork has been uh, Death Grips. Yeah, that's which true. Which I, I do not have the energy for. <laughs> in the year yeah, we'll 2020. To, we'll have to bring somebody else in to Yeah, uh, to someone talk else about will have to be, we'll have to take point on that one. But yeah. yeah, like my favorite Hella album was never reviewed. Let's hold your horses. Yeah, I, and, I've got the CD of that one in my car right now. And they did not care for There's No 666 in Outer Space. Um, no, which it a, isn't it, too surprising because it was extremely like proggy. Yeah, I mean, I listened to it the other day. And I think I just like Prague now because I very much enjoyed the experience. Yeah, it's it took it took at least six or seven years to grow on me. I think the reason I liked it more when it came out was just because I was unfamiliar with what the rest of Hella sounded like at the time because that was just the new album of the time, which That's is right, generally yeah. how I got into most bands is whatever their newest thing was. And it just happened that the newest Hella thing that came out was very strange. Yeah, it was their it was their first album with. Uh... With, like, a full band that wasn't just Zach Hill and Spencer Syme. And their last, because they didn't do another one after that. They did do, uh, yeah, that they did do another album with just the two of them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that was the which last was, full band album. Which was alright. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a serviceable Hella album. Yeah, no, um, there were some good ones on it. But yeah, so Zach Hill um, had released a couple of songs with Nathan Williams that were said to be from the upcoming album before the album was called King of the Beach. Uh, so a couple of, there's a couple, there's a couple more tracks than the ones that you'd, uh, sent me, I think, but these are the ones probably worth covering the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so there see. was, uh, the first one that I remembered was Cool Jumper. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think like, is the second the... that one starts, it's like, it almost sounds like it's borrowing, like, hella production. Yeah, because, it's, because it's, of the way the drums me, sound. It reminded me of uh, Zach Hill's album Astrological Straits. Mm-hmm. I think it's just also like that's the specific way that Zach tunes his snares. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they that they sound like you're like hitting a piece of sheet metal. Yeah, <laughs> which is and why also, he breaks uh, he breaks so many drums and so many drumsticks. Yeah, because he tightens them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has that kind of uh, like noisy electronic quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is had, a is, is the, a main feature in the in Death Grips sound. Mm-hmm. I had I had the lyrics open for these, but then I closed them by accident. <laughs> Pop oh, these yeah. back open. Wait, <sighs> waves, cool jumper lyrics. Yeah, it, I know it, it starts it says, with a, a a sample from The Simpsons, a late a late season episode of The Simpsons, where uh where a a woman asks if Marge is a cop. Yeah, was it the episode where she was a cop? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it, it was, uh, I think a, a Halloween episode okay. where one of them, uh, where I think Homer, Homer gets cursed. Okay. And I feel like this like, happens more than once. I've cursed you with Kirsty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I, I literally remember the line now. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, there's Cool Jumper. Are you a cop? Woohoo, you're cool jumping all the time. Wasted breath, I've wasted life. I mean, it's, I feel like we could talk a lot about Waves lyrics and not really get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this episode won't be very lyrically heavy. No. Um, oh, such a good track. I'm looking at the lyrics, I'm like, none of this even looks familiar to me, but I can just like hear it in my head. Yeah. A lot of woo-woos on this one, uh, which feature prominently throughout the album. I don't wanna. I might just lose my mind. Yeah, that's a that that's a really that's a really good like uh, sequence of notes there with that one. It just sounds so bratty. Yeah, it does. Um, and yeah, so this is it's it's listed on Genius as being part of an album called Babes, which I don't remember if I don't know if that was like an official title at any point for what became King of the Beach, or if it's yeah. just like a name for a loose collection of demos. But it contains yeah, I know like a, a couple of the MP3s that were put out had that as the album tag. Yeah. So like yeah, Cool Jumper, Horseshoes, and Hula Hoop were the three that I listened to prior to this recording. Uh, there's yeah. also Glued, which I guess also had Zach Hill on it. And then apparently this would also feature different versions of Super Soaker, Post Acid, and Baseball Cards, which are okay. which are three good ones to have alt versions of because they're like really cool songs production wise. But I'd I'd love to hear them in a different format. But I, I don't, would too. Yeah, I don't know where those are if they exist anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I know that I know that Zach Hill didn't get any writing credits for those on the uh, the final album. No, which yeah, I don't I don't know if they involved him at all or if that that, that was just like a, an early an early version kind of thing. Maybe one day he'll just put this out. <laughs> you never you never really know. Anything could happen in the MP3 era. Like that's true. Jay Paul came back and posted his album on Bandcamp <laughs> officially. Yeah, anything could happen. God. Um. And then yeah, there's horseshoes and hula hoop. Uh. Hula Hoop, I don't think, ever had a actual uh, studio, studio recording of it. They just released a, a like a soundboard recording of them uh, live in a Playing church. Playing in a church, yeah. Yeah. with a horse with no shoes <laughs> damn damn really makes you think huh real real deep i've been through the desert on a horse with no shoes <laughs> and yeah uh so regrettably the album didn't come to pass i remember i was, I was just re- doing some like reading before this on like track lists for it and like comments around those track lists and apparently like nathan williams was robbed at some point oh. and had and had demos stolen from him Huh, I wonder I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Um, so what if this was just kind of a food fight situation? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I will not elaborate. Another slightly related thing um, that I found kind of while researching this was that Waves briefly had beef with Marnie Stern. Yeah, I, I looked at that and I couldn't understand really what I was looking at. Like, <laughs> was that just because of Zach Hill not being Marnie Stern's drummer anymore at that point? No, it was because Marnie Stern basically said that Best Coast didn't make good music. Yeah, I mean, it's her right to say it. Yeah, and so, I, I and I know that Zach Hill and Marnie Stern are, like, super tight with each other, um, so I wonder if maybe that contributed to uh, Zach stopping being the drummer after two months. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. It also just seems like Zach Hill, like, for a good while, was very prone to becoming bored of any project that he was a part of. Yeah, that's fair. 
He, he's um, one of those. He's one of those musicians who has like thirty bands at least. Yeah, I mean, he did do Death Grips for a solid several years, but then they kind of just stopped showing up to shows. Yeah, so. that's true. They booked shows and then just didn't come to them. <laughs> I think Zach Hill might also just be kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. So uh, this one got an eight point four. Yeah, is this our first Ian Cohen review? No, it's not. We he did Japandroids too, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had I think to. He did. Yeah, he, um, he's pretty he's pretty good review. All things together, they had. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good review. I I, I liked it. Um, it had a, a line about uh, escaping from early twenties boredom and a depressed job market, which yeah. like I didn't connect the recession with uh, with waves, uh, but that actually really tracks. It it's kind of amazing how much like a lot of the. Uh, the music of that era that was kind of the buzz music kind of speaks to its own sense of capitalist alienation. Cause I mean, yeah. that's exactly what vaporwave is. Yeah. Vaporwave like, I, is just recontextualization. Too. <laughs> it's just yeah. a recontextualization of capitalist alienation and yeah. chill wave. I, I, is was basically... working, I was working food service at my school dining hall for minimum wage at the time. So yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, like chill wave is just like an attempt to like, reassert the aesthetics of an earlier more like i guess the, trying to cap recapture the pre-reagan era yeah although i guess like recapturing the 80s is precisely capturing the reagan era but you know <laughs> it took a while for his economic policies to completely destroy the country and the world yeah the nice the nice aesthetic parts of the the reagan administration <laughs> J- just to be clear we hate ronald reagan here yeah uh, my my official policy is that I wish they would bring him back to life so we could kill him again. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to walk outside. Um. It, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I have bits for that. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the review starts. Yeah, with that. With that, like uh, connecting the lyrical content to the album with uh, with with that with the uh, with the job market, the depressed job market, and also connecting it with like the professional foibles of waves, all of which I'd completely forgotten about. Like him having yeah. an extremely public fight with his drummer and getting bottled at a Spanish music festival. <laughs> like, did not remember that happening at all until I read this review. <laughs> I remember the fight, but I didn't remember that's how it ended. Right? And then, like, they didn't do anything for a while, and I guess that's when he just went to go, like, chill and smoke weed with Zach Hill and make some demos. And then apparently he got robbed. And then... Yeah. Uh, he got his picture taken smoking weed out of an apple, which was very funny. Yeah, and then eventually got together with some old members of i don't like saying his name can i just call him jimmy lee Lindsay? that's his legal name yeah it's his old backing band and then producer dennis herring i don't remember if he'd done any other waves work i don't think he did yeah i don't think so either but like because this this album does sound kind of singular within the uh within the the waves like discography like the the albums after this do sound cleaner so yeah. let's see, let's, I'm just having a look at Dennis Herring. He produced uh, Good News for People Who Love Bad News and We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank by Modest Mouse. Oh, nice. Uh, he produced Way to Normal by Ben Folds. He produced, I, I have heard these albums. I know this. He produced Beta Love by Ra Ra Riot. He uh-huh. did a Throwing Muses album in 1991. Damn. And he did uh, the Black and White album by The Hives. So, like, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. He's also listed on here as having done uh, Elvis Costello music, which... All right, this guy's, it's, it's, it's like, he seems like he's kind of all over the place musically, mm-hmm. 
Um, which I guess he's just, I guess he's, it's more, yeah, he's listed as a producer and an engineer. And I wonder if he's like Steve Albini and he feels more attuned to the engineer label of things. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who's going with like the, the big creative input kind of producer and more like, I want to get out of the sound what you want to do with it. Yeah. And then I'm going to make an album that is called 1000 Hertz and sell it for $70. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> uh, there's there's a line in here that compares uh, that compares waves to uh, like Brian Wilson, and also invokes a comparison to Person Pitch by Panda Bear. This all tracks. There are two songs on this album, at least, that I can refer to basically as just being Animal Collective songs. Yeah, but like just like everything is more obviously an actual guitar, whereas mm-hmm. on a lot of Animal Collective stuff. There's guitars there, but sometimes you can't really tell they are. <laughs> yeah, this was this was at the Deaconless time of Animal Collective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like <laughs> noting that at least like one song samples "Da Do Ron Ron." Oh yeah. Well, I think it's a it's less of a sample, but a, more of a melody quoting. But oh yeah, yeah. The the thing here about Mickey about Mickey Mouse, yeah. Which yeah, no, it it makes sense. And yeah, Brian Wilson's like uh, kind of influences all over this album. It's definitely the kind of thing he's going for, especially because he's doing like Brian Wilson esque like over every single one of the choruses. Yeah, that it's kind of the the thing that ties all of the songs together, even if they sound really, really different musically. Yeah, like his he's <laughs> that that's one thing that this album kind of like blew out of the water was like a lot of the songs on the previous two albums really just sounded like each other because he was clearly just had like one instrument, one recording style and didn't necessarily know what he was doing with it. And I think he, yeah. was, he, he put a lot of creative space into this one. And half the songs were titled X Goth and half the songs were titled X Girls. Yeah, they were they were all literally just people's Xbox Live gamer tags that he saw while playing a spirited <laughs> match of Halo at two AM. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's where I, all the I, names I could came see, from. Yeah, I could see Weed Demon coming from that. Yeah, no <laughs> And also just like Nathan Williams just as a person kinda tracks like the guy who at one point might have yelled slurs at you over Xbox Live. It just tracks. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who like eBay's vintage Bart Simpson shirts. And then, like, <laughs> cuts the sleeves off and, and wears, like, a different one to every show. <laughs> just just wearing a bunch of shirts that say Bart Mitzvah on them. Yeah. <laughs> one uh, of the most common Simpsons bootlegs is yeah, people making like shirts that, that say, I went to my Bart Mitzvah. Uh, so, after this album came out, uh, had you, did you ever go see Waves, uh, uh, like, around the time that this album came yes. out? I saw them at North by Northeast, uh, which was once a good music festival and now just is a music festival. Uh, it existed in Toronto. And basically everyone would play like roughly a 45 minute set. And then you'd have 15 minutes to either get to another venue or hunker down and wait for the next band to start at the venue you are currently at. Okay. Very stressful. Um, and the time I saw Waves, they were playing with um, the Happy Hollows were the openers and I got oh. one of their CDs for free because someone <laughs> bought it and then left it. All and right. So I it became mine. And then after the Happy Hollows was was uh, Waves and then Japan Droids played. It was a hell of a set. Yeah, yeah. I could see just uh, I, I could see that being the the hunkering down and waiting 
Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was definitely either. one where I did not leave uh, that venue that night. I yeah. wish I could remember which bands were playing which nights. I also saw Anamanaguchi and Free Energy around this time. And yeah, Free Energy. They played, uh, that, that That was the the second set that I went to in 2010 at Pitchfork. Right, right, because you were at 2010 Pitchfork. Did yeah. they, Did Waves play 2010 Pitchfork? If they did, I didn't go to it. I did okay. see Best Coast that year. Um, but then later that year, uh, there was the Summer is Forever tour, uh, which was like in winter. Um, yeah. And it was uh, Best Coast in Waves and uh, No Joy was opening for them. Okay. And uh, so they came to the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis. They, they had uh, like a split seven inch that was tour only. Still got it. Nice. Um, and there was a five foot tall, 40 something woman who was drunk the entire time. Who was next to us in the audience. Nice. <laughs> my, my show was like, it was, it was pretty well attended because like Japan droids do very well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever hit capacity and Lee's palace doesn't have like a huge capacity. Yeah. And Lee's palace is where I saw them. Scott Pilgrim heads come up. <laughs> um, I was also underage at the time. Um, I was using my brother's ID to get into that show. The classic, I have an older brother who kind of looks like me enough to to not necessarily fool a bouncer, because I'd like, at some point, it's just basically like, well, I have plausible deniability now, and they just let you in. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, did they do the, like, the throwing beach balls and inflatable aliens around the crowd? Yes. And, and also, did he come out on stage to the circle of life from The Lion King? The second you said that, the image of that flooded into my head, so I'm going <laughs> to say yes. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm imagine like I could not tell you what the set list was at this point, but I'm going to imagine no. it was primarily King of the Beach stuff because I'm pretty sure this he was already touring with uh, with the um, the old members of Jimmy G Lin- Jimmy Lee Lindsay, whose other name I shall not mention, uh, his old backing band at the time. Yeah, I have the vinyl. Just just putting that one out there. This is what I kind of want to get, but I mean they're doing the 10th anniversary re- re- uh, sorry uh, reunion tour for it and. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they reissue from that, it. then I'll get it. <laughs> I am going to that show. Nice. Um, well, you'll have to tell me how that is. Yeah. The cover art is extremely 2010. It's got, you know, all your favorite things. It's got cats. It's got weed. It's got triangles. And it's got blanked out eyes. <laughs> it really is just the whole the whole thing, huh? Yeah. It, it reminded me of that... Uh, that blog uh, where they took Justin Bieber photos and they blanked out his eyes and they put like odd future quotes uh, next to him. Yeah, I think that was just like that was just the entire aesthetic of the time. Yep. <laughs> yep. You, you the, had the pa- early you had Tumblr. Pa- you had pastel goth and you had nihilism. Yep. <laughs> so uh, you ready to get into this one? Let's get into it. We got uh, we got King of the Beach. I'm just gonna read the. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read a genius annotation on this one. Okay. You're everywhere I go. You're at the beach. You're in my dreams. You follow me and try to slow me down, bitch. Let me tell you something. I'm the fucking king of the beach, all right. And not not you and not any of your little buddies are ever gonna stop me. <laughs> I 
fucking hate this so much. I hate Genius. It's the worst website. I feel like I I could hear somebody at one of the shows saying that to me unsolicited. Yeah, completely unsolicited. <laughs> but thank you to Dead Ghost four years ago for that uh, that comment that got minus one upvotes. If I had a Genius account, I would downvote it, but I am not going to make one. James Dallas Williams Triangle marked this as missing something. <laughs> you think? It's definitely missing something, such but as I mean, the song. There's not, it doesn't seem like there's much to miss on the song itself. No. It's, talk it's about more, the beach. <laughs> yeah, this is more of like a sound piece to get the album started to me. Yeah, it's like almost like a mission statement for the album. I'm going to yeah. talk about the beach and just <laughs> and talk about my hubris. Yeah, the the uh, the like pop of the drums at the start really uh, kind of gets gets me hyped still. Yeah, and like a the really pop, good pop, like jangle, pop, pop. and then the fuzz is really well placed. The lyrics cut through just enough through the production. Whereas pri- the, if you just listened to Prior Wave stuff and then like came into this album dry, you would be amazed at how much of his voice you can actually hear. Yeah, there's words to this now. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it really. Um, it really has you set your own tolerance for nasally male vocals, but like as lifelong they might be Giants fans, you know that we love that shit, so Yeah, and then there was also Cloud Nothings at the time, who also were extremely uh nasally and yeah. did an album with Waves later. And then did an album with Waves that sure happened and had yep. no cultural impact whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's kinda how it goes, huh? Yeah. And like They Might Be Giants, most of the songs on this album are less than three minutes. You really do love you. You love to see it. Like the the whole album together is like what, like thirty odd minutes. Yeah, and that's just because the last song is over five minutes. Yeah, and it's an extended breakdown that makes my head hurt. But we'll get there. Yeah. Um. So never gonna stop me. Never gonna stop me. King of the beach. It's kind of uh kind of the totality of the statement of this song. Mm-hmm. So we get into it's, Super Soaker. Yeah, Super Soaker. The My alien, he's still missing. My brain's numb and I can't hear you. Uh, I think this one might be about getting stoned, but I can't possibly know for sure. (laughs) Another dead ghost annotation on this one. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe Nathan did something and at the end of the day he got reprimanded by his mom or GF. Bold of you to assume that that Nathan William knows the difference between a mom and a GF. Yeah, no. Like, that kind of sums up uh, the, the ethos of Waves. Like... You, you you get in trouble from your mom or GF or your mom GF, and then you write a song about how your life is terrible and sucks. Also, apparently he's saying cruise during the chorus, which I've always Cru- hated cruise. to hear. Cruise. Yeah. And it's it's literally just like the the syllables of the of the CR. If it was just ooze, I'd like it. Yeah. But the the fact that he adds consonants in there makes it sound like he's trying to say words, which are apparently crews, and I don't like to hear them like that. I don't either. It Like, I got used to it from hearing it so many times, but mm-hmm. it's still not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Um, but on the other hand, my alien, he's still missing among the greatest couplets in music history. 
He's still missing. My brain's numb, and I can't hear ya. Hey, I mean, that's, hey, that's less nasally than he sings. Yeah. And yeah, I really love the breakdown at the end of this song. Oh, yeah. And this is a Dead Ghost animation that's not bad, because it actually gives some context to the line. Nathan has mentioned before that he is scared of the ocean, which is very interesting. <laughs> to yeah. be like a California beach boy, but just be like deadly afraid of drowning. Yeah, for all he talks about surfing, like... He, you, you only ever see like skateboard imagery on his mm-hmm. albums. Yeah, so like he's he'll talk about it, but he's not the drums. He's no. not gonna let's go surfing. <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking of surfing, I heard uh, I heard "Swim" by Surfer Blood for the first time in uh, in a Five Guys restaurant a couple days ago uh, for the first time in like six years. Oh boy, that, that also took me back to 2010. That was a blast from the fucking past there. Yeah. I think I think that guy turned out to be shitty. Yeah, <laughs> like in probably. an entirely different way than Waves turned out to be shitty. Yeah. But I don't want to think about it or look into it. So let's let's uh, move on to the end couplet here. So it's wipe all the sweat from my eyes and then like just some real good guitar chugs. Yeah. From the ocean. Waves crush my flesh and my skull, but I still feel stupid. And then he just says stupid over and over again over like some of the best power chords on this album. Yeah, it's really cathartic to be this stupid, apparently. Yeah, I mean, brain brain empty, no brain cell. It bounced around like a screensaver, but then escaped into the ocean. Yeah, it, it failed to hit the corner of the screen a few too many times. Mm-hmm. It's like, stupid, and then, stupid, stupid. And like, yeah, he varies it a little bit. And yeah, no, that one, it's just really fun to sing live because it's one of those ones where like, you might not necessarily remember all the lyrics going in, but when someone starts repeating something enough times, you know that they're just going to keep saying that thing. So you can kind of just jump in. Right. Like, I'm very much idiot who never knows the lyrics to things. And I very much like to sing along to things. So (laughs) what generally happens for me is I just try to pick up on trends and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this part. I'll just do the vowel sounds. Speaking of idiot, idiot. Idiot is the next track, indeed. I'm glad that we start this one with 16 seconds of an annoying laugh. Yeah, it's too many. <laughs> I counted. I was like, is this over yet? And it wasn't. This song is just Joker 2019. You know. <laughs> laugh. I bet you laugh. I bet you laugh right behind my back. I won't ever die. I'll go surfing in my mind. But also just like, I'm not supposed to be a kid, but I'm an idiot. Is like, you know, the, the classic late 20s slacker big mood. Yeah. We are all feel this. Yeah. That, that's yet, kind of every everything that I see on Twitter on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And there's like kind of part and parcel with uh, with 2010 Kanye of being very aware of the kind of person he is because <laughs> he follows the line with I'd say I'm sorry, but it wouldn't mean shit. So, like you know, he's the perpetual fuck up that keeps fucking up. Yeah, it's just it's the it's the nihilism that we've come to know him for at this point. Mm-hmm. Three albums in. It's just like, you know. No Hope Kids are so bored from the last album. Yeah. 
And he's a hero in his mind because he bought up all these dilapidated properties and then <laughs> renovated them so that he may sell them far above market rates and make a hefty profit off of them in this uh, in this California neighborhood. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what California apartments look like, but I assume that at least his have like the same exact like backsplash and granite countertops that every other thing that you'd see on like HGTV has. I think so. I think I remember him posting pictures of them like before I unfollowed him from Twitter. <laughs> um, and I think they're like kind of like a townhouse setup. So I okay. can imagine like they're they're a little more spacious than like a than like a a high rise kind of setup. He's got he's got that townhome money coming in. He's got that townhome money coming in. Uh, there's some really nice sounding ooze in the background. Um, and and some sha na 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 na. Yeah. And I I fucking love that shit. Yeah, I was always a fan of that in in these early days of waves. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's the kind of shit that I'm gonna pick up on to sing along to. Because as I said, I'm the dumbass who doesn't know lyrics to things, so I'm I'm very I'm very happy to pick up background vocal duties for crowd singings. He makes it really not to be. He, he makes it really easy not to be that person who like starts singing the chorus and then gets two lines in and then just starts going and and then and then you pretend to like look out the window as if you like got distracted by something. Yeah. Everything. Everything in like in the mix has distortion on it, but like it, it's very on purpose, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of a contrast to the last two albums where everything was just a rectangle because it was going to be a rectangle either way. Mm-hmm. He does. A, he does a lot of uh, a trick that he does a lot on this album where he'll like stop the instruments and then start them again with the next line, like, and have that, like that drop period to like kind of propel it forward. Yeah. Which I find is just always a good trick that always works on me. The drop, you know, yeah, that that's that's where the you you get the audience like all to uh, kind like pop of, at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> Every, everyone time your pogos to each other. <laughs> we got it. We got to bounce. Yeah, it, it's where you like without even trying, you start going woohoo. Yeah, because <laughs> you're afraid of silence. And then you're all then you're all going, but it wouldn't mean shit over and over again at the end of the song. Another one that's easy for me to pick up on as a dumbass. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't mean shit. And it wouldn't mean shit. Yep. A, a number of the songs on this album actually end very similarly. Mm-hmm. And then we come to the edging anthem, When Will You Come? Yeah, this one has, like, three lines of lyrics, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a whole album about peach aesthetics, asking when the sun's gonna come. I mean, it, uh, I, I think it was downvoted to someone saying that this is this might be about depression. <laughs> but, like, that seems kind of obvious. It's like, he's going for a really obvious tortured metaphor on this one, right? Yeah, the depression in the whole album is extremely evident. Yeah. And also, yeah, we we whistle in the breeze, we whistle at the sea. It's very, very whistling in the dark vibes. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think those I, are all expressions that it functionally mean the same thing, which is, you know, we're just, we're not doing anything. Whistling Dixie. W- welcome to Waves Confirmed. 
Welcome to Waves Confirmed. I mean, we do record Giants Confirmed in the Tuning Fork channel now. I just decided that that's where we record. Yeah. Too lazy to make another Discord. Every song that has this drum beat, this specific drum beat, the da-da-da-pa, it makes me think of uh, Just Like Honey by the Jesus and Mary Chain. I mean, that's, that's where everyone stole this from, right? I, I feel, feel like, like the, it. Yeah, like that. That that it's that's probably the, intentional. That's the genesis of that. Yeah, of that as like a as, as something to use. The, I mean, there's like three drum beats ever. There's that, and then there's the Amen break. Those are the only two <laughs> drum beats that exist. Yeah, fucked up if you think about it. Um, it's a good. No, thing we're not. That we're not talking about fucked up this week. We're talking about waves. <laughs> My name is David. Uh, <laughs> the the. <laughs> The falsetto he uh, he takes here almost sounds like he's making fun of his own voice and trying to sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Like the sun, we whistle like the breeze. It also just sounds like he's really struggling with it. Yeah. I feel like this is one where he'd blow out his voice doing it because he is like, you know, in absolutely no way musically trained. No. And thus would not be singing in a way that would be conducive to having your voice work two years later. Yeah, much like it, much like Japan Droids, as we discussed on the Japan Droids episode, <laughs> Brian King cannot sing high notes anymore. No, he just he physically cannot do it. It kind of seems like a half-baked song idea that got stretched out past two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really like it as as a song as long it is as it is. Yeah. Um, which like how long is it even? When will you come? Is two minutes and thirty five seconds. Like if you told me it was four minutes, I would have believed you. <laughs> they they got there somehow. Uh, but then it, we it, come to the we come to the ultimate short banger after that though. Yeah. Post acid. Shortest track on the album at two minutes and ten seconds, and it's also the one with the most plays in my iTunes because it was in my five star playlist for like. Well, I mean, I think it's still there. Yeah. Do you do you kind of agree that this is like the most popular, well known song on this album? Oh, absolutely. It's this or the title track, which yeah. would be which would make sense because those were the two singles. It, yeah. This this always like got a huge response at at the show. Everyone would like scream and sing along with the you. With you. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Um, and then, like, as as Ian Cohen notes in the review, Misery Will You Comfort Me in My Time of Need Would You Understand is, like, I mean, I, I don't think you could distill, like, that late 20s depression <laughs> lyrics better than that. Yeah. You, 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 find, you find comfort in being sad because it's what you know. Of course, every single fucking annotation on this is talking about how it's coming down from acid. The song is called Post Acid. Yeah, but it like, is. you know, I feel like it's a little deeper than that. It, yeah, because like, I, it, I, I think it's comparing an acid come down to parts of his life. Yeah, th- this is the the deep two minute song, and the not d- then before this we had the not deep two and a half minute song. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even need to necessarily be deep. It's just, it seems dumb to say that it's, this is only about an acid come down. Yeah. I think, I think the real, the real, it's not about drugs, you piece of shit stoner is, it's not just about drugs, you piece of shit stoner. <laughs> it, it, I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, there, there's the bridge on this one that's just, yeah, ah, ah. 
<laughs> very, very fun to do in a live setting. Yeah, I, I, I like that part. Um, and then there's the uh, the kind of like tremolo effect that gets put on the voice when it's uh, an I'm just having fun. Yeah. It's like, ah, la, 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 I'm just having fun. La, 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 la. That's a good way to do it. When uh, I, 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 sounded, sounded like fucking A.V. Tear on this track. Yeah. <laughs> Except A.V. Tear, just, his voice just does that. <laughs> yeah, his voice just did that. It just it just wobbles. And then, uh, I mean, that track, I feel, I mean, you have a clip here. That's how you that's how you edit this podcast. So, like, just hear how much those the, the riff chugs on this one. The do, yeah. do, do, do. Like, it's so it's so driving. And it's so it's like um, the the ends of those lines match up perfectly with like the the Tom hits on those ones. Mm-hmm. And like it just it really, really hits hard. And this is this was always one where if I had it on my playlist and I was walking somewhere, I would just suddenly be walking way faster because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like like almost syncing up with it. Like it really it's very it has a very very strong rhythm to it. And like yeah, that, it, it's clear that he that got makes it. You he, turn into Matt Train. Exactly. He <laughs> he really like he lucked out grabbing a good rhythm section for this album. You got to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can tell that they're like way more experienced than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've clearly been playing music for a lot longer. Yeah, and are more used to a live setting. Yep. Uh, next is take on the world. he does the tremolo on his voice a lot yeah for the for the chorus part the take on the world it would be something and it's got the ending that is repeated again the something almost the exact same way that the the stupids end on uh, yeah. on super soaker <laughs> yeah stupid something. they're the same <laughs> it's this it's the fucking same thing i mean it whips so it's good yeah and yeah it's like good. I hate my writing. It's all the same. It, tri- it trips like posture. My head just hangs. I hate myself, man, but who's to blame? I'm just see-through window panes. I can't believe yeah. Nathan. I can't believe Nathan Williams invented hashtag rap. Childish Gambino, who? <laughs> <laughs> did did uh, did Donald Glover ever rap over waves? You know what? I'm, I'm gonna look up the I'm just a rapper uh, EPs. Yeah. It, this seems like uh, this seems like an artist he would have uh, picked just to uh, to get on top of that uh, the hype train of the time. Let's see. But like Waves here wishes that he could do something more interesting with his life and fix his problems. But you know maybe that's why he became a landlord. Cod. <laughs> uh... To rent out the world would be something. <laughs> There'll be some stuff to cut out here because I'm just like trying to look up his mix, the mixtapes here, and it's it's difficult. Yeah, I'm just a rapper, but I'm not a rapper. <laughs> he's a fucking walking paradox. No, he's not. <laughs> I I did rewatch rewatch the uh, the Yonkers video. No, the super hot fire. Oh rap yeah, videos. They're still good. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, New Prince is over Crown on the Ground. Bitch Look at Me Now is over two weeks. 49er Shirt is over Orange Shirt by... 
God, what was that project called? The Vampire Weekend side. Discovery. Oh, yeah. Um, I Can Hear Your Feet was over Yesair. I Love Clothes was over Deadbeat Summer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We have Both Hands over Black Rainbow. I can't who are we he, going to? Who are we going to over, ask to get on uh, the show to talk about Neon Indian? Let's try to get Neon Indian on. I, I thought. I think maybe we wanted to get Carlace on for Neon Indian. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that would be the ideal. Yeah, but close second is Neon Indian himself. Yeah, a- a- Alan Palomo, hit us up. Yeah, it doesn't look like he ever did anything over a Waves track. Okay. I don't think that would work sonically. Yeah, probably not. Because, like, he was just rapping over the tracks themselves. Like, he wasn't even cutting samples. Actually, this next one might have been a good candidate for uh, getting rapped over. Uh, baseball cards. This is, one, literally just an Animal Collective song. <laughs> and two, the opposite of summertime clothes. True. Because this Cause one's talking about he doesn't want to walk outside. <laughs> and that one is he wants to walk outside. Yeah. I think this is the alternate universe where they, they where she doesn't come to ask him to walk outside. Because at the end, okay. he's like, I don't want to walk outside without you. Oh, okay. She, just doesn't, she never came by. And he wasn't going to go out by himself and strip to the sheets. And the AC squeaks. <laughs> the voice in the clock says he's not going to get tired. The wall is a pool and the bed's on fire. Soak my head in the sink for a while. <laughs> I don't need to keep we'll, doing we'll this. We'll just do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I could. I don't but know I what kind of like I don't know what kind of filter uh, is on his vocals on this song, but it's an interesting, like you said, animal collectivity type effect. But uh, it's literally just wet. He put it, it through wet. a wet filter. Yeah. I mean, wet does literally mean something in, in sound design, but yeah, not I, that. I mean, is, wet as in water. This one is almost like a swing song. It's got, it's a very odd, it's a very odd, like, f- compared to the rest of the album, it's very, uh, like, 50s, 60s pop. Like, this sh- this would have been on the Lawrence Welk show. Yeah, no, it has kind of a <laughs> doo-wop thing going on with it a little bit. Yeah, I can see a bunch of, like, white, smiling, choreographed dancers from a movie doing a big number to this one. Yeah, and I get, I get really, um, he really, really puts a lot of mustard on all his vowels. Really, yeah. really spreads them out. And, and he, he tops that mustard with all the shalalalalas. Yeah, another one with a good with a good set of shananas on it. Shalalana, shalalana, nana. A, a couple of good Brendan Shanahan's on this one. <laughs> Hockey joke. A uh, couple of good. Uh, nope, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a of a musician with a similar name. A couple of Denon and Anacroids. There you go. I forgot that they were a band. <laughs> that that's pulling from a deep barrel. Oh yeah. Did they ever um, put out more than just that one album? I think they did, but I could not tell you. I'll have to I look could, them I, up I'm after gonna, this. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm not even gonna look it up. I'll just plug my external hard drive in and go to their folder and see if there's two items in it instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate archaeology of just looking at my old hard drive. Yeah, I I, I do have my old. Uh, my old external hard drive here with its massive 320 gigabytes of storage. Hell yes. <laughs> and, and it's and it's mini USB port. Oh, horrible. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. 
I really love the, um, I don't know if it's a guitar or a synth effect on it, but the do 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 Oh, yeah. That's going throughout this song. Um, like, I don't know how to describe it very well. This is, like, always the conundrum I come with when I want to, like, make music is that I could never tell what sounds are. And then, as such, <laughs> I could never, like, if I have a sound in my head, I wouldn't know how to reproduce it. Yeah, it's it's a really kind of, like, analog synth flavor um, with, with a little bit of, like, uh, like vibrato on it um, to make it sound a little crunchier. Yeah, and it goes so well with the with the shanananas. Yeah, and that's like my favorite part of the track. And then, of course, the fucking annotation on this: an anthem track for people the morning after a night of getting fucked up. <laughs> Whereas, like, this is clearly just like a longing track. The dude's lonely. This is a loneliness song. I, I feel like Dylan Shane here is kind of calling himself out here. Yeah, he's really projecting onto that one. He probably listened to this song. While he was doing the walk of shame. Because it's just like, if you really think about the song and then also the way that the, like the kind of chords that he wrote it in, it's just kind of a sad song. If you think about the song and look at the guitar tab, it spells W-E-E-D. Nice. Because it's got a W chord in it. (laughs) Wumbo. Yeah, the forgotten chord of Wumbo. The the Wumbo chord. We all know it. You know it. You love it. You know it. You love it. Then we got Convertible Balloon. I hated this song at first, but it's grown on me. I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this one's more of a chill wave song than a punk song. It is. Okay, um, what do I like about this song? I like the little uh, the little guitar noodles at the end of the lines, like dee dee little 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 I hate yeah. the lyrics. It's it's not good. I hate the way that he ends the lines. Balloon and then incredible gloom. Partying around in my invertible cocoon. Like, he never (laughs) wants to, like, just let the words stay. And it just does not work for me at all. Uh, This is one of the two tracks on the album that were not written by Nathan Williams. Yeah, this one was written by Billy Hayes? Yeah, this was a Billy Hayes one. Okay. Um, He doesn't sing on this one, although he does sing on the other track he wrote. That one is coming up still? He he wrote uh, Baby Say Goodbye. And then also, okay. sing, and also sings on it. That's not Nathan singing on that track. Gotcha. Okay. Which, like, yeah, I've, now I that it was pointed different there. Now that it was pointed out to me, it's really obvious. But like, you know, yeah. everything's through so many layers of compression, and it's not like he's singing in a particularly unique voice. Yeah, no. It's like it's very. I listened to Blink One Eighty Two when I was younger. Literally, anyone could have been singing on the last two Waves albums, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Exactly. They would just sound like they were singing through a kazoo. Anyway, I wish and, he, I wonder if he has it. enough money for a convertible balloon now that he's a parasite <laughs> on society. Hey. He's going to convertible these apartments into some high-rent units. <laughs> Sitting alone, renovating my room. Playing Nintendo in my room. Yep. Mood. Yeah, big mood. I can relate. <laughs> I, I definitely hooked up my Wii to my uh, parents' old... 13-inch uh, color TV with the dials on it. 
Hell yes. Turn to Channel 3. <laughs> it's all about Channel 3. I just recently bought an NES, and it has a little flip, a switch on it, where you can switch between Channel 3 and Channel 4. Yep, because <laughs> not everyone <laughs> got Channel that's 4. That's how that worked. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah, and you hooked it up to the two little antenna screws on the back of your TV. Thankfully, I did not. I got the one that doesn't have the coax because I don't tr- I don't like coax cables. Yeah. They, they just seem too flimsy for me. Yeah, my Atari came with one of those, and I, I believe it said uh, computer switch on it. Nice. Yeah, ours. Uh, my old NES the, from when I was a kid had a coax cable, and we eventually just gave it away when it just stopped working on our TV. And I think that's just because <laughs> we like damaged the coax connection by moving the cable around too much. Because it's like a really, really thin piece of wire in the middle. And yeah. it's very, very bendable. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I really like the, the snug fit of uh, of the red and yellows, whatever the hell, RCA cables. Yeah. Those, I, I like that better. Seems a lot neater. You got you got a nice uh, CRT to practice your Tetris on? I don't yet. Uh, I'll just hook it up to a regular, a, a, a small flat screen that I have, because that seems like If you want to play Tetris Melee, you have to have a CRT. I know, if I want to play Tetris Melee, I need a CRT, but I'll get there. For now, anyway, I, need to get a, I need to get a capture card so I can play it on the internet. That's true. Uh, the next one is possibly about weed. Not sure. Anyway, it's called it's Green, Green Eyes. Eyes. <laughs> Green Eyes, I'd run away with you. Green Eyes, cause I'm a fool. I try staying away. I'm just not man enough. I'm just not man enough. He made a song. He really just went out there and made a song about how he smokes so much weed that it makes him obnoxious, and he made it whip. <laughs> That's, yeah. The the famous term for the eyes you get when you're stoned, green eyes. <laughs> like the green ones. He smoked so much weed, they went right past red to green. His <laughs> eyes said, fuck a warm color. His eyes turned to Jim Carrey's Grinch eyes. Oh my god, I can't believe this song is called Ginch Eyes. <laughs> Anyway, genius annotation, one contributor. This song could either be about marijuana, which is Waves frontman Nathan Williams has an affinity for, or a girl with green eyes. Either or. Yeah, either or. Um, yeah, not not really sure. Couldn't really couldn't really make heads or tails of it. Don't think it's really about weed. Uh, definitely the line "Sky high, I fly high lately," so I'll soar right through it. Yeah, no, I don't think that's <laughs> that's referring to weed at all. No. That I'm to blame because I'm so lame means it couldn't possibly about BBO, uh, be about weed, because smoking weed makes you cool. That's true. And he's just not man enough. <laughs> the, I guess that's the idea that he was, like, you know, trying to not let weed define his personality. Um, but he's, he's, he's not man enough for it. Yeah, I, I listened to a little bit of, like, the post, uh, like, classic Waves era. Mm-hmm. Um, like, either, like, shortly after each album came out, or... Uh, I, I listened to the album V or five or wh- I don't remember yeah. which which one it is um, yesterday. And like, I feel like the weed imagery kind of he, he grew out of it a little bit. Right. I mean, it works on this album is the thing. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's a it's a well you can't really nail forever unless you're like the band sleep. But even then, it's just like Dope Smoker is just a really good album. So true. So it's 
the second verse uh, when that when the glockenspiel comes in, it it makes it sound a bit more sincere in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I do it's think that the song classic is sincere. indie pop thing of of bringing in like the toy instruments. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the song is sincere. Yeah, I feel like he. It, this song almost it almost reads like I wish we didn't define my personality. So it's kind of good that he eventually got away from it. Unfortunately, yeah. that did coincide almost directly with him becoming a landlord. So you know. Maybe it would have been better if he kept smoking weed and he wasn't exploiting people for the things they need to live. That's, yeah, that's fair. Especially if he in was, California. If he, was, if he was man enough, he would sell all his properties. <laughs> he would, at the very least, he would make them low rent. And, yeah. like, let somebody live there for, like, I don't know, a couple hundred a month. I mean, my, my own friends hate me, but I don't give a shit. Rent's high. <laughs> Will I keep the rent high? Maybe. So we'll soar right through it in first class because that's what I can afford to fly. Yeah, he he gets the he gets the suites that have the bed on the plane. Fuck, God, I wish that were me. <laughs> it's like, look, I don't I don't want to be rich, and I I think um, like certain amounts of wealth are inherently exploitative, but I also just want to be comfortable on a plane for once, just once yeah. in my life. I'm I would not love even to at be all. able to. I'm not even I would at love all to be like able you. to be horizontal on a plane. God. Can you imagine how those G-forces would be hitting? Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> it's uh, like the ultimate tra- the ultimate heavy blanket. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this next track has just one verse that's repeated like four times. Yeah, it does. Uh, this, this is Mickey this Mouse. Yeah, this is Mickey Mouse. I just need to like listen to this song right now. Give me a sec. <laughs> I never want to leave home. Everything in the back of my brain. Somebody copied Ian Cohen's uh, commentary about person pitch into this uh, into oh, this they? genius article. Yeah, it says in which waves distills the essence of Panda Bear's person pitch into four minutes. Yeah, I mean, when I heard this song prior to even like reading the review, this was the other one that I could say is basically just an animal collective track. Yeah, it's another weird swingy song. With Especially the, like the um, the everything in the back of my brain. It literally sounds like him trying to do an AV tear, an AV tear Noah Lennox harmony, like yeah. one one back person's main brain, harmony. Back, back of my, my brain. brain. Like it's yeah. very very similar. I'm sure he was listening to Animal Collective at the time. As were we all. Yes, and I think this one has a drum machine rather than an actual drummer. It kind of sounds like it, yeah, because like the the drums are a lot meatier on the rest of the album, whereas yeah. this one they they seem very muted. I don't know if that was just an intentional production effect or if it was indeed just a drum machine. But not only does the verse not change, the key never changes and the chord never changes. The bass guitar is just playing the same note in the background the whole time. I'm, it's wild that this one goes for four minutes because like it doesn't feel that long to me. It might just be because I like it better. Yeah. It's a it's a good chill out track in in between the, yeah. in, in the middle of the album. Well, it's it's well it's close to the end of the album, but it's uh it it just seems like it seems like a good come down from Green Eyes, which kind of gets going real fast. Yeah. And yeah, I never want to leave home. Everything in the back of my brain told me that I would be sick when I'm out there. So you know, when I'm out there. 
that that's depression that's social anxiety that's not wanting to go outside that's not wanting to put yourself out there um stay inside and smoke weed baby yeah do you think the title mickey mouse has any uh significance i the i think that it was it was in the review that ian cohen posited there was just like uh i don't know if it was there or if it was somewhere else it was positing it was basically just like honing back to like a childlike feeling yeah that could be i know that this wasn't on the japanese edition i don't know if that was just because huh. of the title or maybe for some I, other I definitely reason. I, I definitely could see him like staying in and booting up his disney sing-along vhs tapes yeah it tr- it, it, it makes sense man <laughs> he was only 24 when this album disney came out sing along. he was only 24 when this album came out let's see That's kind of 24 wild. yeah well, so I'm, look, I'm looking... Wait, no, sorry. I'm, look, I'm looking at the wrong Wikipedia article. One sec. Doing math. Doing math. Nathan Williams' age. He was born in 86, so he's even younger. He's 23. Okay. I had Billy, I had Billy Hayes' page open by accident. Okay, yeah. Uh, but either way, they were, they, were, they were contemporary, so I figured they would be pretty close in age. But yeah, no, real young when this came out, which kind of puts a lot of it into effect. I've, I've been saying late 20s this whole time, but it really is him going for early 20s sentiment. A number I'm of, just projecting uh, because I'm in my late 20s. Yeah. A number of the uh, the artists that got B&Ms at this time were actually really, really young. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking and, of, and like... And now we're still kind of seeing that, like, you know, Black Midi is a thing now, and they're they're not even 24 yet. Yeah. And then, of course, like, if you're going into the pop sphere, that's, that's where a lot of the stuff starts. Yeah. Like, you know, Billie Eilish is, like, 17. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think she. I think she just turned like eighteen this year or something. Yeah, like and then that. like Lord, when she was starting out, was like what, like fifteen or something, something really yeah. young. So like, yeah, I know it's it's weird to think that the the contemporaries making the tunes are, are younger than you now, but yeah, that's where you end up, right? The Glow Part Two came out, I think, when Phil Elverum was twenty. Wild, considering the lyrical content of that album. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, Beirut first album came out when he was 19 so that was uh the gulag orchestra was the first one yeah that was the first one okay 2006 uh then we come up on linus spacehead one is about being so high that he would prefer if he was never sober again i don't know i thought we could safely say this one wasn't about weed but i could be proven wrong i was literally just reading the genius annotation i also don't <laughs> think that um my feet are asleep my hands chained to clouds really just feels like you know he dreams big but he's kind of held down by reality yeah and that really just kind of the toes are marble stones sinking in the stand i'm stuck in the sky i'm never coming down playing these two things against each other the whole time I do like the the bass line on this one, the do 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 do. Yeah, I don't really like the wee hees on this one though. That I don't know if I was just sick of it over the course of the album, or if it just wasn't getting to me anymore. <laughs> it is the same exact note progression every single time that he yeah. does that. You, you get a little bit tired of that uh, of that arpeggio by the end of this album. Yeah, this one also just feels like it didn't need to go for three whole minutes. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, there's not really much else to say about it than that, because there's not that many more lyrics. 
Yeah, I get the I get the Green Day comparison that Ian Cohen put in the review, especially on this on this song. It's like a very dookie song. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and a further annotation for the the weed one. Nathan is experiencing a body high, and he is attached to where he is. I fucking hate stoners, dude. <laughs> Just <laughs> his, kidding. His... Some of my some of my best friends are stoners, but yeah, my, my friends don't my, comment on genius. So my toes are really stoned. <laughs> are you supposed to eat the whole brownie? <laughs> I'm smoking through my toes. Oh. No, <laughs> that's illegal. You're not allowed to say that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll edit that one out in post. <laughs> Just put a long censor through it. Yeah, note note to me. Actually, stretch that out to thirty seconds. No. Um, <laughs> Coming up on the closer, baby, say goodbye. This is the other one written by Billy Hayes, and he also sings on this track. Yep. Another dead ghost annotation. Waves loves this girl so much, he sees her and hears her everywhere he goes. I don't think that's the point, but whatever. The, yeah, there's not a whole lot of lyrics to this one, but I feel like that's just somebody trying to latch onto what lyrics there are. Right. Whereas I think they're just supposed to be kind of evocative, you know, gets the people going. And yeah. it's also just a means to an end to get into the breakdown at the end, where they're just saying "baby, say goodbye" over and over again, while like the instruments vaguely come out of sync with each other, and they're kind of just jamming. And it's the kind of thing that was like fine to me when I was listening to it over speakers, but was absolutely nauseating listening to on headphones. <laughs> yeah, when when it starts getting out of sync, it sounds like uh, one of those like meme videos where. <laughs> They take all the tracks from a popular song and slowly make them out of sync with each other. Yeah, or like uh, like the Creed shreds videos, <laughs> where they're just like yes, making this. Yeah, yeah, making the sounds based on what it looks like they're doing. Yep. And it just doesn't necessarily have to line up with anything. Um, I, that I said, they, they were clearly having fun with that one, and I feel like this is the kind of track that works better live. Yeah, I haven't listened to enough of Jimmy Lee Lindsay's uh, bands to draw like a through line here to the sound um but if i could kind of i could kind of see the comparison there yeah which makes sense I'll, you know i'll, it's, I'll have it's, to listen to it more yeah and yeah it's generally pretty good stuff but, there was uh, that song that uh that deer hunter put at the end of uh halcyon digest which yeah, is that like was, a that memorial was for, for him. him yeah he would have left very good track. still still one of my favorites off of that album which is obviously an album we're going to cover for a duo episode at some point yeah. It's too formative. Too formative to ignore. I mean, there's other Deer Hunter albums, but I feel like that's got to be the one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Microcastle is a, a close second, but... I'm not as yeah. attached to Microcastle other than, like, Agoraphobia. Yeah. Which I've is listened like, to it a lot more lately, and, like, neither of us, uncertainly, is still... Is one that really grew on me. Mm-hmm. And also just Cover <laughs> Me Slowly is the perfect opening track. Yes. Let me take the motifs from the track that's about to come up and do them real slow (laughs) and stretched out and make it sound like a shoegaze song. And then on the next track, we're going to have Not Our Lead Singer sing it. Mm -hmm. It's locket time, baby. At the end of my Google Doc, I, for some reason, decided to uh, to 
to paste that image of Nathan Williams smoking out of an apple for some reason. That's good. Can you post that on the Twitter too? Yes. Good, good. Then I think we're done here. I think we're good. I think we're done here. Um, so I think the album generally does hold up pretty well. I am yeah. like, I'm, re- I'm reluctant to give Nathan Williams any money at this point. Yeah, that's that's fair. But I'll listen to the MP3s of it rather than give him the the fraction of a the fraction of a penny from the stream from from Spotify streams. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it comes to the point where it's like, oh boy, another song about young male alienation on this album about young male alienation in our music sphere, where ninety percent of the music is about young male alienation. But right. like, he puts a lot <laughs> of pop pop craft into the songs. And I think that that's what I'm mostly getting out of it more than anything yeah. else. Like, like I, this I, one, as like an artistic, sta- as an artistic statement, I'm like, I could go either way on it for as something that I just like have fun listening to. It does really well. Yeah. And like this one didn't end up being as formative for me as, um, as other albums of the same time. Um, and like, I feel like I listened to this one so many times, mostly just because of, uh, like how much of a cultural zeitgeist thing it was. Yeah, I mean, it's also just how, like the perfect album I... to have on in a car. Yeah, it's literally made for that. Yeah, like and right so, down, like, right down to the production choices. Like it's like perfect for car speakers. <laughs> if I was the entire editorial staff of Pitchfork, uh, I'm not sure I would have given it the the BNM treatment. Like I would have maybe come close and considered it, but I don't think I would have gotten quite there. Right. Yeah. It's like. The thing about BNMs is that they just seem like such a weirdly political thing to put on an album. Like it's yeah. like it's such a definitive statement, which is something I found really funny uh, with the recent review of Grimes' new album. Um, yeah. One thing that I find a lot with Pitchfork reviews for things that I like that didn't get great Pitchfork scores, but like the review, there's like a glowing praise review that you would think would be attached to like a ten, and then it's like a like a seven point eight, no best new music, like uh, Janelle Monae's. Uh, Electric Lady was like that. Yeah. And the, the editorial staff decided it wasn't the Arch Android and decided to give it less. I mean, the Arch Android only got an 8, and it didn't get Best New Music either, as far as I know. Oh, no, the Arch Android got seven, it got 8.6. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one uh, I remember seeing get a BNM. 8.5 Best New Music. Yeah, okay. So, um, we had the rare reverse of this one where the review is like almost constant criticism of the of like the way the album comes together and the way that like Grimes has become like very image focused in a way that wasn't very interesting. Like it's clear that like her album was trying to make a statement on something, but like what that statement was was very unclear. And like the the review didn't seem like a very positive review, but then it got an 8.2 best new music and it's like that was a choice that they made. They were just like, we heard this new album by Elon Musk's girlfriend, which is unfortunately the most relevant (laughs) media title that she can have right now, which is unfortunate because she made some good tunes before. But like, this is this is the lot that has been selected for her in life. And Thrush Musk real. And Thrush Musk real. (laughs) Now I'm just thinking of the fucking Instagram post. Yeah, she's. And I I said before she like before she made like the what did she do like make a Twitter account for the baby? Oh, I don't Uh, think about that. It's like she's gonna turn this into an art project of some kind. Oh yeah. So yeah, like yeah. No, I think I I I think I liked it a little more than you just because like at the time 
I was not into as much of the noise rock stuff. Like I got a lot more into no age, like after this than I was into no age. Super, super into uh, the previous waves album waves with three V's. Yeah. And like you got me into no age, but like it took a long time for it to click for me. It was probably, it was probably around uh, like, uh, is it nothing in between the 2011 one? Yeah, everything in between. Everything in between. Complete opposite. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that's, like, probably when, like, I came onto that train. So, like, having, like, just be, like, waves, but it's more melodic, probably um, at the time was my main impetus for listening to this album and really enjoying it. So I think it kind of works for me a lot more than it did for you at the time, and probably that carries a lot for me going into the present day. Yeah, I feel like I was more into the, like, the sound aesthetic of waves uh initially more so than his songwriting um and like so the so the production of this album was a little bit strange to me as somebody who had gotten way into the last album but um like they kept it uh kind of gritty enough for me to go like all right this is still the same band yeah so yeah it works um and and favorite song let me let me let me just take a quick look at that track list. It's probably got to be uh, either post acid or green eyes. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking for me it's either super soaker or post acid. Yeah, like super soaker as I, as I was saying when we were going over the track, it's like the latter half of it grabs me so much more than the rest of the song. Yeah, you're not into the crew 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 crews. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that that's true of a lot of parts of this album. Is like, man, I would really like this song if it wasn't for this one thing. <laughs> They made a choice there that didn't they made quite a, work. They made a choice there. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an invalid choice. It's just not a choice that I would make. Yeah. But I'm not the one releasing albums, so who the fuck am I? Uh, well, hopefully that'll change soon. All right, so I guess that's that's the deal. We've done it. We've, we done did the thing. We done did the waves. Um, We haven't picked our next album yet, but I promise we'll name a woman next time. Because it's been a while yeah, since we named a woman. We have been we have been considering uh, we have been considering Grimes. Um possibly possibly art angels yeah. possibly visions not sure so i feel like if we're going for like the peak pitchfork era visions would be the better choice although art yeah. angels was the higher scoring of the two i believe yeah um also good for the the strong pitchfork era would be tune yards who kill true i did just buy my first copy of that on lp uh and i'm looking forward to accidentally buying a second <laughs> copy soon <laughs> Can't believe you're coming for me like this. <laughs> I do still very much have two copies of Toon Yards Who Kill. Uh, Toon Yards Wonder Emporium. Two copies. <laughs> Basically. Um, I, I'm really interested, actually, to see how that album holds up, just because, like, I know one thing that came up in later Toon Yards albums is that she, like, almost seemed kind of weirdly tone deaf on race issues for someone who had been pretty good on race issues before and i wonder yeah. if that's just a difference in cultural framing because like 2011 is yeah. a very different time than 2016 or 17 whenever um the one that has like, private life in the title and it's a really long title and i can never remember it um, yeah i can feel you creep into my private life right um yeah i just feel like it's very different times and of course like the song gangsta was never particularly like, I, I can see what it's going for, but I don't think yeah. that song would fly now. No, probably not. So, no, yeah, let's just settle it. Let's do, let's do fucking Tune Yards next time. Okay. So we, um, we got this, we got this yeah. on the record, so no one can... So we, we won't forget, I swear. I'm uh, I'm David. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Dave's, named after the famous landlord of, landlord of Waves, uh, with three Vs. 
Um, so it's not named after listen. landlord; it's named after his album. Yes, you can you can claim it. Um, you could claim a degree of separation there. Yeah, I can. I can claim one degree of separation. <laughs> um, and uh, you can listen to my other podcast, The Stick, which is about Homestar Runner uh, that I do with friend of the show Zoe on Noise Space. Uh, we're gonna try to do another uh, another episode of that uh, pretty soon here. Um, Hell yeah! And uh, think and I think that's it for me. I'm Matt. You can listen to me on many podcasts, some of which include Elite Full Restore, also here on Noise Space, which is a Pokemon podcast. I just had 20, 2016 World Champion Wolf Glick on, so that's that's nice. Poke- I got we got we got a Pokemon World Champion on my podcast, which is pretty sweet. Um, and I'll I have some cool episode ideas coming up that I just have to like you know get off my ass and actually plan. Uh, we got Giants Confirmed, uh, which David was on the most recently posted, but not most recently recorded episode. Uh, the episode on Factory Showroom will be up whenever Trevor is done editing it. Uh, we are also, me and Trevor are also looking to appear on This Might Be a Podcast uh, to discuss the song Sense Around. Uh, so oh, yeah. He, I, was the, I, he was the <laughs> guest on our episode about Factory Showroom, and we're doing a reciprocal guesting on his podcast uh, to talk nice. about this song that was in a Power Rangers movie. I was recently thinking about that song because I have the uh, soundtrack of that movie on cassette. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one because there's like a different version of it that was on like some international editions of uh, of Factory Showroom, and then the yeah. one that was actually released for the movie is like a, mu- a much less crunchy version of it. I'll have to seek out that old version. Yeah, well, it's, since it's a podcast, uh, this might be a podcast is gen- is just talking about one song for the whole length of it. I'm definitely going to seek out as many alternate versions as I can. Yeah. Really, really I'm also going to have to listen down. to This Might Be a Podcast. Yes. Um, it is an undertaking. That man is very good at putting out content. Nice. <laughs> Much unlike any of the podcasts I do. <laughs> and uh, I also do Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, which is a politics podcast, which I am on a lot. I think about politics way more <laughs> than I should be. Yep. Politics and mass transit. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the Matt uh, trademark. Yeah, those and Pokemon are my trademarks. Um, thank you to Animal Style for our theme song, Open Air, from the album Open Air. Uh, and thank you to Nikki Flowers for the album art of the podcast. I mean, you know what they always say. <laughs> I had never seen a shooting star before. I would never seen a shooting star before.